Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, Pastor Harris concludes his teaching in the book of Jude. The major theme of this book is a warning by Jude to the church in regards to influential non-believers creeping into the church by stealth. This same problem plagues the church today 2,000 years later. Please listen to today's slice of this week's message entitled, Whom God Destroys. Here's the analogy that Jude makes in verse, from verse 5. About two million people left Egypt with Moses. I'll try to picture that. It's it, it, only God could do that. But an entire generation, except for two individuals named Joshua and Caleb, never made it to the land that God promised to them. And Jude's point is pretty simple. There are many who claim to have received Christ's forgiveness. They claim to have been set free from their sins, but they don't really know Him. The point of this verse is that merely claiming to know Christ, claiming to follow God, claiming to be part of the people of God, doesn't mean that you really are. could be a phony. A lot of people were willing to accept the deliverance part when they were set free from Egypt. Said, okay, okay, you um, you can go to this land that is beautiful, flowing with milk and honey, or you can stay where you are in a desert climate and keep making bricks. Your choice. Well, let me think about that. Okay, I'll leave here. But then... God has the audacity to suggest you need to do some things in light of that. And they were unwilling to continue believing after they were set free. They wouldn't do as God said. So He destroyed them because they failed to believe, even though they were associated with the people of God. The second example is another case of the terror of God's judgment upon those who do not accept His ways. In this case, it's angels. Look at verse 6. And angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Now, I said, God's given us his word. We need to ask him for wisdom. I believe his word. I've studied his word hard, and I continue to do that. And I asked him for wisdom this week, Lord, How do I teach this verse after I wrote my master's thesis on this verse and the next verse? And God gave me wisdom. He said, put a cork in it. (laughs) Tell them what Jude says. Okay, I will. And if you you have a serious case of insomnia sometime, uh, get a hold of me. I can email you an electronic copy of my thesis. It'll probably fix your problem. It's not the most titillating reading in the world. All right, key phrase, these angels 
did not keep their own domain. They didn't stay in the realm where angels belong. Angels are non-corporeal beings and they live in a spiritual realm that we can't see and we've never experienced. But it's where they are. But they abandoned their proper abode. That means that they left the proper realm of angelic existence and entered a realm that didn't belong to them. Now, these are fallen angels, obviously, and that's what we call demons in the Bible. And this says they crossed a line and they incurred the severest of judgments. Now, what's he talking about? Well, the incident to which he ultimately refers is recorded in Genesis 6, 1 through 4. Satan persuaded a group of fallen angels, demons, to take on human form, or if not that, to possess willing evil men, to cohabitate with women, and produce some sort of corrupted offspring. Best guess is that this was to uh, try to disrupt the, the line of descendancy to the Messiah. Well, they did produce exceptionally wicked demonic offspring, and this sin was so gross that the demons who propagate it have been punished more immediately, more permanently, and more severely than other fallen angels. It says they've been kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment. In other words, they got a life sentence, and they never die. So it's eternal. They are never getting out. Most demons roam free. You see encounters with them in the Gospels. Some demons are imprisoned, but they are going to be set free. They're going to be imprisoned until a time in the, the 70th week of Daniel. We also call that the tribulation, the seven years leading up to the, the second coming of Christ. If you don't know what 70th week of Daniel is, well, you missed too many Wednesday nights. Uh, Scott just finished that in Daniel chapter 9. You can go back and review all those things and join us in, in chapter 10 now. But those demons who have been temporarily in prison are going to be released. They're going to be unleashed on mankind as part of God's wrath before the second coming of Christ. But the ones mentioned in this passage are imprisoned now, and they will stay in prison, and they'll be released only for their moment of permanent judgment, after which they will be cast into the lake of fire for eternity. Now, that's a bunch of stuff. One of the reasons that I chose the, the um, uh, dissertation or the, the thesis topic that I did is that I had to go to Genesis chapter 6. That meant I had to take my pathetic Hebrew skills and work really, really hard and get a lot of help to do a, a Hebrew exegesis project. I had Jude and these other verses I'm about to quote you in the New Testament, so I had to work really, really hard with a New Testament Greek exegesis project, and it has to do with angels, so I had to study the whole doctrine of angelology and demonology. I actually put a hold on working on my thesis to take the time to write and develop and teach a course on angelology so that I could figure this stuff out. There's a lot of stuff here. Jude is not a goosebump book for these wonderful, sweet, warm, toasty blessings. As I said, it's the scared straight part of this. Well, these demons that did this are mentioned two other places in the New Testament. 
both from Peter. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4 says, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment. Now you notice that's not the end of a sentence. A couple of things there. Notice the, the context there is the time of the flood, which is Genesis chapter 6. So we know there's a, there's a connection there. And his point is, he didn't spare them. You think you're going to be spared if you reject what God says? Another interesting thing is it says, he cast them into hell That is the translation of an interesting Greek word. It's not the normal word for hell, Hades. Uh, It's a word, it actually comes from mythology, and it's the idea of a prison for spirits. It's a place called Tartarus. So I have said this many times, I can't stand tartar sauce. So I picture that place as this steaming, boiling vat of tartar sauce that they have to dog paddle around in for all the time until their judgment. It's probably even worse than tartar sauce, but we don't know. What else do we know about them? 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. For Christ also died for sins once for all. By the way, that's that Greek word again. He died for sins once for all, never to be repeated, one sacrifice. The just for the unjust, the only righteous man, the only innocent man that has ever lived died on behalf of the guilty ones. He did it as the just one for the unjust ones, in order that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison. Those are those angels who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah. That's how we know that that's the situation. That's the sin referred to. During the construction of the ark in which the few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. In the time between when Jesus' body was in the tomb and when he rose again, in his spirit he went and he made a proclamation to those angels. Don't you wish you had a transcript of what he said? Well, we have Jude 6 and 7. Now, rather than taking a great big side trip into all of that stuff, I'm going to try to keep our focus on Jude, but I do want you to know we have copies of an article that I wrote years ago for our radio program called The Strangest Sin of All Time. You can find it on our website if you are crafty and tenacious enough, or you can get a hard copy in the literature rack out by uh, the front door. The point of verse 6 is that God deals especially severely with those who oppose his ways. He eliminated those who did not believe among the chosen people of Israel. He judges angels who oppose him, and he judges the worst of them most severely. The next verse is Jude's third example of the terrible nature of his judgment. Exhibit C, Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's very closely uh, connected with Exhibit B. Grammatically in the text it is connected because there's a pronoun in verse 7 that has its antecedent back in verse 6. Here it is. Just as, so just as in a similar way, there's there's a parallel here, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they, in the same way as these... 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.